0: This is a BoardWalk Audio podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dumb Nerds podcast, a show where funny people come on to talk about a smart topic they consider themselves to be an amateur expert in. And today we have on the very funny Jonathan Harris, who's going to come on and talk all about Bob Dylan. Whether you're a Bob Dylan fan or not, prepare to be blown away by Jonathan's knowledge of Bob's work, as well as... Dylan has done a lot. He has done a lot. Jonathan Harris is on the UCB Herald team, DiCaprio, and you can follow him on Twitter at Country Caravan. Remember, if you're shopping on Amazon, go to boardwalkaudio.com slash dumbnerds, click on that support our artist button, and it takes you straight to Amazon so you can shop like you normally would. This week's episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. What's more exciting than getting a package at your door and not knowing what's in it? I can't think of much, but I can't say that Loot Crate is the best for whatever type of geek you are. That's right, you can get a monthly subscription box just for you with exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door. We got Loot Crate for geeks, for gamers, for anime, loot pets for your dogs, loot wear, clothes, loot gaming, Fallout, Minecraft, Harry Potter, wrestling, Marvel, Stranger Things, what, Halo? How fun is that? And now you can save 10% by going to BoardWalkAudio.com slash Loot Crate and using the Save 10 at checkout. Also, if you could rate and review us on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. This week, shout out to at Scott Max for giving us an awesome five-star review. Appreciate you. Welcome to Dumb Nerd, Scott. And let's keep this intro short and get right into it because I'm a huge fan of Bob Dylan and I think you might be too. Here we go, Jonathan Harris talking about Bob Dylan.
1: Good. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. Great. Great. Welcome. Hi. How's it going?
1: Good. How are you?
0: I'm good. Uh, why Bob Dylan?
1: Oh, uh, he's been my favorite musical artist for a long, long time.
0: When did you discover
1: him? Um, I uh was I mean I I obviously knew he existed for a Mm -hmm. while when I was young Mm -hmm. um but my uh my dad was a big Bob Dylan fan and my brother used to like make fun of his voice and stuff like that when I was a kid um and so then when I got to college uh I had I made good friends um with my roommate Mike and he was, like, that guy in my life who introduced me to all this, like, culture and yeah, music yeah. and movies and things that I yeah. was not aware of because mm-hmm. I grew... I mean, he grew up in the suburbs, too, but I, I guess, really did. I grew yeah. up in uh, Orange County, California, and uh, so when I went to college, I was into, like, Dave Matthews Band and Blink-182, and mm-hmm. that was, and, like, <laughs> out, and that was it.
0: Basic uh, whatever the high school kids yeah. were into kind of thing. Yeah, whatever yeah.
1: was... I presented to me. Yeah. And, uh, totally. you know, my friend Mike was in a bunch too, a bunch of different stuff. And I may have played like a wallflower song at some point. Oh, okay. And Mike was like, well, do you know like Bob Dylan? And I was like, yeah, but I'm more into like, I'm more into Jacob Dylan, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like that's more my speed. And then, uh, I, I, think it was just through osmosis of hearing it a lot that it became, something I got really into and you know he had all the albums but then either I would burn one or start like going to buy them one at a time um yeah and then before I knew it I was like yeah like obsessed
0: I think I had a similar getting into Bob Dylan a little bit like I had a friend that was like Bob Dylan's amazing and it was like I think most people our age are like you just hear Bob Dylan the name and you're just like oh yeah yeah yeah, blowing in the wind whatever yeah but uh yeah I think It's like there's a bump I don't know if you've seen this, there's a bumper sticker that says, listen to Bob Dylan. And it's like listens underlined. And I always thought that was so dumb. (laughs) No, that's really dumb. (laughs) It is really dumb. But man, just listen to it. But it wasn't until one day I sat, I was like, I had insomnia and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna listen to that album my friend Chad is always like raving about. And Tangled Up in Blue is the first track. Uh, Blood on the Tracks. Yeah. I was like, all right, I'll listen to Blood on the Tracks. It was like late at night. I put my headphones in and then I really listened to Bob Dylan and was <laughs> like, this is fucking amazing. It's poetry.
1: So that was the one that like that was, got you into it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. My friend was like obsessed with him. And yeah. Was, yeah.
1: It's interesting. I think it was also a very weird time because I started to get into him like my freshman year of college. And so. I think like Highway 61 Revisited and Blonde on Blonde and those, those classic so 60s yeah. albums were what like really hooked me and Freewheel and Bob Dylan. But then um, the uh, when I was just becoming a, a sophomore in mm-hmm. uh, college, um, and I, I was up at I remember this because I was up at UCLA. I went to school at UCLA, and I was there a few weeks before. The term started because I was on, like, my dorm government, and I was just on my dorm government to get, like, parking,
0: uh-huh. because parking
1: was so hard to come by, and I remember there being hype just among a few of us, like, Dylan dorks, Yeah, that the new Bob Dylan album was coming out, and I was like, is it going to be any good? Yeah, and right. everyone's like, time out of mind in 1997 was, like, really great, yeah, and it's, like, yeah. return to form. And it came out on September 11th, uh, 2001. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Love and Theft did.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, and
1: I think, and I don't have any gr- like brilliant, profound, um, thematic way to tie it together, but I think like the very, like the post 9 11 immediate world <laughs> is very tied into like listening to that album,
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, Love and Theft. Which it really is like fantastic and might be the pinnacle of his like later work. Um, and we're jumping really out of order. Yeah, but, yeah. But I think so I got into that early stuff first. And then, you know, when that album came out, I remember listening to Love and Theft and then going back and listening to Time Out of Mind a lot. And I think that's when I just decided to be like, I need to hear and absorb everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, So then I went backwards and like went through. All the 80s stuff, the good and the bad. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. There's there's plenty of good, but there's also there's a lot also of bad. There's
0: also some bad. There's also a yeah. famous Christmas album
1: that came out. The Christmas album. Seven years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Which I own and listen to every Christmas.
0: It's amazing, but also it's crazy. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. It's... it's
1: it's one of those like baffling, like, what's he going for here? But in I, yeah. what's he, what he's going for is he made a Christmas album of songs he heard yeah, like, growing yeah. up and yeah. he raised money for Feeding America. And I think that's it.
0: Yeah, I think that's it. He's um, like, You're
1: welcome. So, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, that's when like a real uh, obsession or fandom kind of like um, uh, started and I became a very like ardent defender of later Dylan and, Interesting. Uh, and like a defender of like still going to his shows. Cause yeah. a lot of people who had never seen Dylan would go to one of his shows in the, the aughts yeah. and be like, what is this? Cause yeah. he grumbles through songs and they're all different arrangements and stuff. Yeah. But I remember seeing him for the first time, I think was at the, well, no, the first time I saw him was before I was a fan. Um, he did a show that it was Dylan and Paul Simon. I think it was at the Forum. Uh, that's
0: amazing.
1: It was either at the Forum or the yeah. the, the Pond in Anaheim. I haven't uh, seen Paul
0: Simon yet, and, and the, that's on my to-do list. Yeah,
1: and I was like 15 or 16, and my parents took it. You told, idiot. I, I was like you couldn't appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, but the first time I like really went to see uh, Dylan and was into it was in 2002 in October. I think he did Three Nights at the Wiltern, mm-hmm. and I went to one of those, and it was really like – A great experience, and I like recognized every song, even though it would take thirty to forty seconds to recognize each song. And he played like Don Henley's "End of the Innocence," which (laughs) is such a weird, yeah, such a bizarre choice, but it really worked. Um, Yeah. So yeah, like thereafter, I can just like think of all of these like mm -hmm. moments where my fandom grew.
0: Yeah, I think I think most true Bob Dylan fans like go through a big obsessive phase where you just kind of comb through everything. You try to like analyze songs and like talk to other Bob Dylan people about like, what do you think, you know, visions of Johanna is about and that kind of thing. And then, yeah, I also, uh, my college years went to probably like five or six Bob Dylan Mm -hmm. concerts in the span of one year. Uh, my boyfriend and I at the time would, uh, just, like, wherever he was in Southern California, we'd go. Like, mm-hmm. we'd drive to Fresno. We went to Santa Barbara, which was super Did you go to Paso fun. Robles
1: in, like, 04, Ro- 05? Probably no, now.
0: this was more, like... 2010 yeah 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 so i remember i went to san diego uh temecula he played at pachanga that was the worst one on
1: his tour of uh like casinos and minor league ballparks i've seen some not good shows yeah the
0: one in fresno had john mellencamp and (laughs) willie nelson willie nelson was cool um and then i think my favorite one we went to was Santa Barbara, San Diego would have been cool, but there was a lot of like high school hippies, like wannabe hippies. So it was just kind of like, what's happening
1: at every Dylan show? There's a bunch of like old and new hippies. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's so that weird. It
1: just they it seems a little out of place, even though Dylan has always been like tied in with the 60s. Yeah, I feel like he always resisted like hippie yeah, culture. I think so specifically, and like would always talk about yeah. Like, the hippies showing up at his house in Woodstock in like 69 and him being like, go away. Yeah. Got a family. So funny. Like I'm not into it.
0: I think, yeah. In the San Diego concert, I think he made like a couple like backhanded comment, like comments that like the young people is like, here's a song you probably have never listened to or whatever. <laughs> um, but Santa Barbara was probably my favorite because I remember we sat next to this like, Older couple that was like very excited To be seeing Dylan and they were clearly Like mm-hmm. bushy Santa Barbara people Um and, and then, then Left my, a
1: third of the way through no they probably. stayed
0: the whole time But my boyfriend is, was like a huge Pothead so he's like I'm gonna Smoke I don't care it's Santa Barbara And like so he whipped out a joint and then the Lady's like can I have some oh, So then we like got her high And then the husband thought it was hilarious And she's like I haven't been high since The 70s <laughs>
1: So it was very a, a great experience. I for bet she was everyone. telling
0: her friends about it for years and years. Yeah. Um, and then at that time, that, I think that was one of the last Dylan concerts we went to. But I don't know if you ever had been on this website that someone would catalog like every song he would sing at every concert mm-hmm. and then turn it into uh, like
1: Bjorn or yeah. uh, Elstrom. Like, yeah. He, you, you he's knew- the like Norwegian or Swedish guy. Who is like the craziest Dylan nut in the world? He's yeah. got multiple websites. Yeah, he also ran DylanCords.info for a while. Oh, you could go and, like, yeah, I like Dylan chords <laughs> to like catalog them all. And yeah, and and since that, since the in the last few years, BobDylan.com. Has gotten a lot better. So now they have set lists oh, going that's back awesome. to 61.
0: Oh, that's way um, cool. And then
1: you can like look around at how many yeah. times he's played. Yeah, there,
0: yeah. Like, he hasn't
1: played Rocks and Gravels in 63 or whatever. Yeah, it's like, it's
0: maybe like, he'll play it tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember the Santa Barbara one. It was my boyfriend's birthday, and he was like, I really want him to play Desolation Row. Mm-hmm. And he closed the night out with Desolation Row, and we're like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was way cool. Um, yeah,
1: I, I saw, I've seen him probably like... 12 or 13 times, something like that, <laughs> over, you know, over time. Yeah. And there was definitely a phase from, like, 2002 to 2008 or nine, where he would always... Uh, end the set in the same way, and then he would always have the, the encore would always be like like Rolling Stone and all along the Watchtower, right? Yeah, he's like so,
0: I feel like that's in his contract. Like it's like you can play whatever you want, but you have to play one of these three songs. I mean, your it encore. definitely
1: seems like things were on his own terms, and that he even when he's changing things, even these days when he's playing mostly or, or half of the show is like old standards from his recent like few yeah. albums, he will always pepper in like things have changed or like a Rolling Stone <laughs> or you know, just like a woman or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like he he definitely seems aware of that. Yeah. But it's like he changes the song basically. So it's yeah. like he's playing a different
0: Yeah, yeah. He's playing it the way he wants to yeah. play it, which is so fun.
1: Um Yeah, what what do you we, do, we can go through different Yeah, phases. yeah. Let's go through... let's go through the beginning. Um Bob Dylan. Original name. Born Robert Allen Zimmerman, May 24th, 1941. That's yeah. right. <laughs> um, yeah, just a... Just a in Hibbing, Minnesota or kid. Duluth?
0: Yeah, Duluth, Minnesota. He now lives in Malibu. Obviously. <laughs> what a life. He's, got a,
1: he's still got a house in upstate New York, I think.
0: Probably. I'm but sure yeah. he's got several houses. Yeah, I, I assume everyone, when you're that rich, you have like 10 houses anywhere you want in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know much about, like, his early life?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, mostly from reading and from what he talks about in No Direction Home, the yeah. documentary, mm-hmm. which was, I guess, a while ago now, like 2006 or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, growing up in uh, Minnesota, um, I feel, I, I I don't know, I feel like he had a pretty normal childhood and like teenage life and then as he got to like 17 18 19 he felt this like need and compulsion to like leave and do something more or become you know uh, Mm -hmm. uh, like feel an identity that was completely different from what he had been used to because from the moment he gets to like Greenwich in like what 60 or 61 yeah he's like you know, playing playing songs as if he is like one of these like old, you know, ramblers, like Woody Guthrie types or yeah. whatever, making up stories about where he's from and what he's mm-hmm. done, um, like really felt the need to like capture some sort of different identity. Yeah. Um it's weird, I think, how if whatever you were striving for in life when you were nineteen and twenty became so inextricably tied to the rest of your life
0: interesting well because
1: now that he is 76 yeah uh, that must seem so distant right and yet that part of the story of like this guy coming out of nowhere taking these like folk songs and turning them on their heads and telling like stories that resonated with people at the time yeah all that like voice of a generation stuff must just seem like so uh, unreal yeah i feel like, like he says quotes
0: me. that he's like i don't yeah. feel that's like part of who i am anymore like, yeah by, by, like i mean decision. by the time he
1: was like 24 25 he was already like all right this scene this like folk scene yeah. I'm kind of done with it yeah and, you know whether it was like weed people. and influence of other musicians and picking yeah. up electric guitars and stuff everything just uh changing so much so i feel like by then he was kind of like i don't need this identity anymore and now it's like 50 years later but you can read a biography it would be like reading a biography of my life and the first like three chapters were all about like how important it was when i got my first my 88 Nissan Sentra like, <laughs>
0: drove
1: that around or yeah. how I would like go to Jamba juice all the time like, <laughs> or the same thing right, when right. I was like 17 yeah, it's like that has no resonance with me today. Yeah. And those actions that he took back then are very much always tied into his story.
0: Totally. And I always like when I hear that part of his story too about how like he changed his name to Bob Dylan to be like the poet Dylan Thomas yeah. and stuff. I'm just like, I know that guy, and I hate that guy. Yeah, you know that what I guy mean? today
1: would probably that guy be sucks. a huge Douche. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it. In, I feel like in 1961, 62, in New York, where so much of what we think of as popular culture hadn't been around yeah. yet. Yeah, where, uh, yeah, like
0: maybe people weren't as like oversaturated by art and people being like, "Watch my YouTube video. Watch this." Well, like, right. The idea of like.
1: Of crafting your identity yeah. was not it, it, your identity was just what you did out in the world in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine. I'm sure there were some people who were like, "Who is this yeah. jerk off kid?" Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was like coming, and that's definitely like a thing that you get in the in that No Direction Home documentary of some of the of like Dave Van Ronk or uh, one of the uh, One of like the Irish singers, I forget uh, Mm -hmm. his name now, Liam Clancy or something like that. They talk about how he could come off like kind of a poser, yeah, like coming in trying to do this, like he, you know, yeah, when you're nineteen, you don't know who you are, yeah. yeah, and but then you know everything was so compressed, so he just like shows up in New York city and within two years, like blowing in the wind has That's become insane.
0: two uh, years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So by what is it? M- May or June 63. I don't know. Whenever free will and Bob Dylan yeah. comes out, mm-hmm. um, it's yep. like rocketed you to national stardom. And it's happening at the same time that there's these other kids across the pond, that are, like, blowing up and doing a different thing. Like, I don't know. I feel like we... I'm trying to think of a time that was, like, the early 60s. 60s. And, I mean, we're definitely in modern America are going through cultural shifts, like, 2012 to now. But it's more about, like, uh, an awareness of race and gender and social justice issues and our places in the world. And I'm not sure that music... And, like obviously there's great – I'm not saying there's not great music right, and stuff. Right. I'm not saying like Kendrick Lamar hasn't spoken to the issues yeah. going on in today's world in a in a profound way. But I think the fact that everything was so new and different back mm-hmm. then all of a sudden yeah. it is just like unfathomable. It's crazy to think about.
0: Yeah. I also think today like back in the 60s, I'm sure like people – collectively all kind of listened to the same artist because there wasn't that many yeah. to listen to where today it's like spotify you could listen to anything from any time period yeah like so i don't think musicians have like the as strong an impact as maybe musicians did before
1: yeah and there was not a saturation yeah that there is
0: like, you would get your album, wow. and you'd probably listen to it over and over again. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, Jay-Z drops a new album. Everyone's like, I want to listen to it. Listen to it once or twice. And it's like, okay, I did it. And, and then a couple people will be like, I keep listening to it. I keep to listening it.
1: to this all the time, but there's yeah. so many. Yeah. Like, on, on I, I make lists on Spotify of new music that you know, yeah. comes out. So I'm like, oh, here are all the albums I'm listening to in 2017. Yeah. And it's August... Right now, and I have like 60 albums on there. And I'm like, how could I listen to all of these as much yeah. as you would have listened to like A Hard Day's Night when it came right. out? Right? Yeah. Like, there over wasn't, and over
0: until I get scratched. There up. were other, <laughs> there
1: were like, you know, there were other acts doing interesting things, but I just right. don't feel like there was the saturation. Yeah. And like, singles were more of a thing than they right. are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so like, you know, Blowing in the Wind was this like hit for him, but he made. Most of the money off the licensing off yeah. of every artist mm-hmm. in the country covering it.
0: Yeah. Like from
1: Peter, Paul, and Mary to
0: oh, gosh. the, the that animals <laughs> or
1: whatever. Like yeah. everyone covering Blown in the Wind. And that's how he it, – it may have been like thought of that's my career is yeah. I'll play my songs and make my own albums. But for the most part, I'm writing songs that other people with better voices will perform. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really – like, people make fun of Bob Dylan's voice a lot, but it was kind of amazing that someone without a traditional, like, Broadway theater type singing yeah. voice could mm-hmm. make hits and be a, um, you know, a great songwriter, singer and songwriter. Yeah. Like, that wasn't really a thing. Totally. I don't think.
0: I don't think either. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm sure. I mean, there are people who know way, way more about, like, especially what was going on in the '50s and what, like, yeah, Elvis and Buddy yeah. Holly and all those guys. And could did. probably
0: pinpoint exactly why Bob Dylan rose to the top because usually when people break out, there's so much more going on in society. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and but, then because yeah. it's
0: insane to me that two years you show up to New York and then you become a huge star in two years. Like that's insane, especially yeah. at the. At that age, like, it, that at least makes sense for why, like, he was so defiant. Like, when you hear, like, press, people asking him questions, he's like, I don't know, man. Like, what do you think? Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm fucking, I wasn't ready for this. I'm over this. It's like he... Let it, me do my shit. was
1: definitely, like, a growing up in a very compact amount of time. Like, sometimes you think about what Miley Cyrus was like just yeah. eight years ago. Right. And it's like, oh, wow, she's, like, changed a lot in eight years. But in eight years... The Beatles had their first album and broke up. And, like, look at that change over just a few years. It's, like, insane. And I think it's because there was this pressure to constantly record. So you were either touring or recording and writing new songs. And so it's, like, what if, like, Coldplay had to do two new albums and a bunch of singles yeah. every year that's like their sounds would probably change a lot because you would get tired quicker yeah of the same stuff you know like uh it, it's it's been 17 years since uh yellow was Coldplay's first <laughs> oh big God, hit and yet it doesn't years. feel like they have needed to change that much except yeah. maybe adding some more like synths and drum <laughs> machines and their music or whatever yeah yeah but like You know, Dylan had his first album, which was like mostly covers. And then he's Mm -hmm. like, this isn't great. And then he does Freewheel and Bob Dylan, which is kind of a breakthrough in a lot of ways. And it has Hard hard, uh, hard Rain's Gonna Fall and Masters of War and Don't Think Twice It's All Right and Blown in the Wind. And he's telling like, you know, stories about dreams he's having. Yeah. And then there's times they are changing and it's like, oh, he's this great like political folk singer and he's performing at the, uh, uh. March on Washington with Martin Luther King. And then another side of Bob Dylan where he's like, I'm already trying to change. And then he's writing these eight-minute songs. And then he's tired of that. And then they bring in an electric guitar. And by the time you get to 65, he's... This is
0: all in five years. Yeah, this is all (laughs) in like
1: five years. He's like 24. 24 years old. And he is like, I'm already done with the past. Yeah, I'm a change. And he's, you know, being influenced by you know, what the Beatles are doing and like the Rolling Stones have mm-hmm. satisfaction coming out. And I, yeah. not that I know if he gave a shit about that, but like, right? then you, he puts out bringing it all back home in Highway 61 and he's putting together like yeah. rock albums yeah, with, that are like songs with like poetic lyrics that aren't telling a cohesive story and don't mm-hmm. make a ton of sense. Yeah. And it's like. It's hard to, and I think it's just because he had to keep working. He had to keep doing stuff. There was no time to sit and second guess himself. Yeah. There was no time to sit and be like, are people going to like this? Is this Mm -hmm. what I want to be doing? It's like, no, he had to just keep doing it. And then to take the edge off, he was like smoking a bunch of weed and then coming back and writing, you know, Desolation Row and whatnot. And it's uh, it's all over now, Baby Blue and stuff like that. And then uh, before you know it, it's like, oh, this is going to change music for the next 50 years yeah <laughs> like, you don't have Damn. you don't have i mean I, and look i'm sure someone else would have done things that would have influence but like the idea that your lyrics didn't have to be like stupid <laughs> you yeah, didn't have to be like surfing usa yeah. or uh i want to hold your hand yeah those are great songs but, but that like just, the lyrics
0: are so But yeah, and it's just like you
1: don't have to write lyrics that way. You can write lyrics that are kind of stream of consciousness that have symbols that don't necessarily make a whole ton of sense. Yeah. And then it's like, so, you know, John Lennon hears Mm -hmm. John Lennon hears like a Rolling Stone or John Lennon hears um, it's all right. Mom only bleeding. And that's when we get like Norwegian wood in a day in the life because he's like, oh, I can do this now. Yeah. And then I mean, then you get like. It's, it's uh, a major leap. Right. But then you get like, you know, Nirvana writing in bloom or something where it's <laughs> yeah. like, this doesn't need to be. Yeah. Uh, this doesn't need to be so direct. And mm-hmm. a lot of that doesn't happen the way it does, I don't think, if the those few Dylan albums in 64, 65, yeah. 66 don't happen
0: that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Uh, do you want to? We You briefly talked over it, but
1: like one of the the
0: biggest Bob Dylan controversies is when he went electric. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> uh,
1: I can talk about yeah. feelings on that if you want. Um, well, oh,
0: well, just for listeners who aren't Bob Dylan heads, sure. who probably don't know.
1: Um, so uh, in like 1965, uh, Dylan released a album called Bringing It All Back Home, which is like half acoustic, half electric. And um, it even on the album... It's not electric to mm-hmm. where it's like Guns and Roses. Yeah. It's like it's playing a little bit faster. There's yeah. drums in the background. Some of the, the the really intense folkies were not into it. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's a very famous uh, uh, concert at uh, the Newport Folk Festival. And Dylan had been at the Newport Folk Festival in 63 and 64 playing his usual set. Like, mm-hmm. the answer my friends. Yeah. Blowing in the wind. <laughs> and all of the. Beatniks, you know, former Beatniks sitting yeah. in the crowd, being like, "Yeah, man, it, it makes so, so much good. sense. Like, this is what it's all about." And then he comes out in '65 with his full backing band
0: called the Band.
1: Called the Band. Well, they were the Hawks at the time, <laughs>
0: but he's like, "This is." They became the band. known as
1: the Band because they were his band, <laughs> and they, you know, uh, rip out. Uh, I, I I don't want to work on Maggie's farm, farm no, no more. more. Yeah, yeah, and you know with there's guitar solos there's constant stuff it's loud yeah um there's a a old legend that like pete Seeger tried to rip the uh cord out of the speakers or whatever so that it wouldn't be so loud yeah i don't know if that's true or Uh not but that like performance which of course you can listen to or watch Mm um yeah dylan 1965 at the newport folk festival is like the dylan goes electric moment yeah and you know the the it would, I don't I'm trying to think of what it would be like today like what what artist doing something like that would be like yeah today. It I would mean be like if um
0: <laughs> I know Kanye will like he has very extravagant concerts sure, where sometimes fans are like man
1: I feel like if it would be like if Adele did like doom metal or something oh like, yeah it like it something would, it, more extreme it, 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 it
0: yeah, I, I I mean I know when Taylor Swift went from country to pop, some of her fans yeah. were like, "Man, I like, wish she
1: would still do country." Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, that
0: yeah. I mean Miley Cyrus. I'm sure a lot of at least parents are like, "Oh my God, look away!" But it's still like Hannah Montana, Montana. Pop music, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, like
1: she like taylor swift was doing pop country and now yeah, she's yeah, doing yeah. pop pop and some sort of like a country twin <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like i'm i i'm trying to think of but something where the music, ethos was yeah. like different because the people who the, the folk artists or yeah. the the folk fans were like our music is like important and it has a message like politically and spiritually and anyone who's like slamming on the drums or like you know playing loud electric guitar is for like the masses it's to distract the kids it's not mm. like serious uh-huh and he was like no this is serious yeah, like, this yeah. Is a, i'm still an artist or you know he didn't really say any of these things he was just like i'm gonna go out and do it i'm
0: gonna do it and then some Forget people boo all.
1: and then he gets off stage and he goes why are they booing it <laughs> like, in no direction home there's a lot of that where yeah it, 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 oh yeah
0: you literally have footage of him being like yeah what's He's happening like, why do they have to boo yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so he does that at the Newport Folk Festival in 65. He releases Highway 61 uh, Revisited mm-hmm. in late 1965 that has, like, a Rolling Stone. It has Ballad of a Thin Man. Uh, it has Desolation Road as just, like, Tom Thumb's Blues. Um, and I, uh, that's my favorite album. I think that's may- arguably maybe my favorite album ever.
0: And that album is? sorry was Highway 61 I'm- Revisited. 61. Yeah, Highway 61 is... Really good. So
1: that's late, 65, and then uh, 66 is Blonde on Blonde. I which like has Blonde on
0: Blonde a lot. Rainy
1: Day Women and Visions, Visions. of Johanna. And, uh, yeah, also a, a complete uh, masterpiece. It has just, like, a woman, I want you.
0: Yeah, um I want a great song. All that stuff. Yeah.
1: Uh, fourth Time Around, which is uh, maybe Dylan's uh, homage to Norwegian Wood, or maybe, mm-hmm. like, Either either playing with John Lennon or like poking fun at him because the last line of fourth time around, which sounds just like Norwegian Wood and has the same melody as I didn't ask for your crutch. Now don't ask for mine. So a lot of people have read into it him telling John Lennon like, hey. You wrote a Dylan song with Norwegian Wood, like yeah. stick to your own thing, or yeah. it could just be him playing around. Yeah, yeah, because they had they uh, one of Dylan and Lennon had one of those like playful slash rivalry relationships, kind of like Paul McCartney right. and Brian Wilson. And um, it's fame
0: There, Dylan's there's a famous story of Dylan's supposedly as the man who got them high for the first time so. yes
1: yeah he 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 gave them a weed marijuana in like yeah marijuana yeah. and then a and then year the or two music later changed yeah and then and got
0: better in my opinion
1: i mean the beatles are great through and through yeah. beginning to end but yeah i i probably gravitate to their late 60s work yeah more or yeah I mean, but it's still and then, fun i mean i then, want then, to hold uh, your
0: hand it's a great song yeah and yeah. then
1: george harrison and john lennon Uh, got acid at their dentist's place the following year and things went the elevator was on fire (laughs) so uh and then so in 65 and then 66 dylan's on tour in london and there's a very famous show in uh in the uk in may 1966 and in that period, in 65, 66, Dylan would do two sets. He would do an acoustic set mm-hmm. where he'd play seven or eight songs, just him and a guitar. And then him and the band would come out and do an electric set in the second half. And um, the, the most famous thing, which has been on many albums and is recorded, is... They play an electric version of Ballad of a Thin Man, and then someone in the audience yells out Judas, uh, intimating that he has betrayed the folk ethos. And then Dylan, who is probably very high at the time, says, I don't believe you, you're a liar, and then turns to his band and says, Play fucking loud. And then they play Like a Rolling Stone. Yeah. Um, and it like that Ballad of a Thin Man into Like a Rolling Stone, like listening to those back-to-back is probably my like one uh, among my favorite like 15 minutes of music that i own like i've listened to that many many times and that is on the uh bootleg series volume four which is the live 1966 and also those appear on uh the no direction home soundtrack as well so that's the and and in no direction home there's uh a lot of Interviews with people leaving mm-hmm. the venue and being like he's changed like he's not all right he used to be Those interviews
0: are so funny <laughs> yeah and it's just
1: these very very disappointed kids like yeah. he's blaring on that harmonica and the, this annoying <sighs> band and he's it's so uh, amazing and it's kind of like you you you. Understand what they're feeling when someone you like love for what they do changes what they do yeah. completely, and yet they're not recognizing what I think is like among those great like yeah. moments in music history. So, I think that's
0: like the one of the most interesting things about humans with artists is like they want their artist to be like exactly the same, but it's a human being that's creating work. Of yeah. course, they're going to change, and
1: especially when there's one in his twenties, in his mid twenties. Yeah, you change
0: so much. Yeah.
1: It's like yeah. a different person than yeah. he was just four years ago. And you know, things things do level out for him yeah. a little bit, although he is always changing and evolving. But Yeah.
0: Oh, because uh, he's gonna change some more. He, we, we haven't we've
1: have, we we have not gotten to the seven other times he's changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so um, should we should we move on to the late sixties?
0: Yeah. Do you want to talk about his motorcycle accident? Do you feel like that
1: I mean I know has he, any
0: effect on yeah. his music?
1: Yeah. In what, late sixty six?
0: July 29th, sixty six. Yeah,
1: yeah. He gets in a motorcycle accident, uh, a very bad one, mm-hmm. and he kind of disappears from public life for a little bit. They say um, he didn't.
0: He didn't tour for almost eight years.
1: Yeah, he didn't tour for a long time. Yeah, um, but he didn't even record for a little while either. And he, uh, I mean, he. I, I don't know if he was ever a huge drug user other than marijuana. But, I mean, there was definitely a lot of coke involved in, like, the Rolling Thunder review. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he kind of settled down and became, like, a family man a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then in uh, 68, which is the longest, at that point, the longest gap between two (laughs) albums since he was coming out with one every six months, uh, he releases John Wesley Harding, which Mm -hmm. is just, like, 12... Simple singer songwriter acoustic guitar songs. Yeah, and it's a great, great album.
0: It has all along the watchtower. It has on all along it. the
1: watchtower, mm-hmm. which I, I feel like a lot of people don't know that he wrote all along the watchtower, or because it's so. Yeah, that's cause, true. Cause Everyone the Jimi Hendrix version Jimmy. is yeah. the is the definitive And Bob Dylan version. even says
0: that's a better version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the definitive
1: version of the song. Yeah. That's how people know the song. Yeah, but you know, yeah, he wrote all along the watchtower, and it's on uh, John Wesley Harding. Um, and then his voice kind of changes in 69 and 70. He releases a bunch of albums. He releases Nashville Skyline, yep. which is like 28 minutes long. And it's ju- the same thing. And it's just like very simple, uh, melodic, uh, acoustic guitar songs. Johnny Cash, Cash is
0: on it. Johnny
1: Cash and him do a cover of Girl of the North Country, which he, a uh, cover of his own song. Yeah. Uh, Lay it's Lady a great, Lay is on that Great cover, one. yeah. And his his voice has begun to change. It's, it's the first time where you're like, he's putting on an affectation instead of singing his normal voice because... Yeah,
0: it's getting instead deeper. Instead of... <laughs> his,
1: yeah, just normal if you're traveling. He goes, if you're traveling...
0: Yeah. You
1: know, country fair. He sounds like a Muppet. A
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> on Nashville Skyline and then um, on Self Portrait and New Morning, which are yeah. in the early 70s. Yeah. Um, and... Self-Portrait was like a double album, and it's it's very scattershot. It's mm-hmm. uh, not considered one of his best, although um, there was a bootleg series released a few years ago called Another Self-Portrait that has a ton of other stuff from that era and kind of r- reveals the creative mindset he was going through we did skip over the basement tapes even though yeah
0: oh yeah album
1: wasn't released until 75 Mm -hmm. let me go back so in 1967 (laughs) uh him and the band are hanging out in the basement of their house i believe the big pink house for which the band's 1969 debut Mm -hmm. album is called but they record fucking a hundred songs in that basement and never, and don't release them as an album yeah. or anything like that. It travels around as bootlegs for years in 75. They finally release a, a double LP called the basement tapes. And yeah. it's only a few years ago that like the complete basement tapes mm-hmm. were released. I bought the deal. $120 yeah. six disc
0: Damn. nonsense thing.
1: It was a gift actually. So yeah. I didn't buy it. Oh, nice.
0: Good um, gift. Good gift.
1: It was a good gift. Um, And there's just a lot of really creative stuff going on uh, for him at that time. And it wasn't about like, you know, it wasn't like changing music and it wasn't like pushing that electric guitar sound. It was really like a blending of uh, the sounds he had already done. And it shows him as a great uh, evolving songwriter. And in Mm -hmm. the basement tapes is where a lot of hits that would go to the band or the birds came out of like, you ain't going nowhere Uh and nothing was delivered. And, uh, um, shit, I shall be released. And Mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff, uh, like that. Um, the birds had a really good career of covering Dylan. There's an album called the birds play Dylan, which is just like 20 of their covers. Wow. There's some really great ones. Yeah, uh, the birds
0: had some good Dylan covers.
1: Yeah, the yeah. the birds, Mister Tambourine Man, was released before oh, yeah. Dylan's Mister Tambourine Man was. That's right. On yeah, they're on the birds' album, Mister Tambourine Man. But yeah. it was very well known that like their best songs were written by, by Dylan. Bob. That's um, so funny. And so now we're in the seventies.
0: Yeah, we're in the seventies. Uh, Self portrait, where uh, this is a fun quote. A Rolling Stone writer, Grail Marcus. We just wrote what is this shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh yeah i think that's what i think is so interesting about bob dylan's career is it seemed like there were specific times where people were just like what,
1: yeah, what the fuck
0: <laughs> what are you doing now
1: and and uh to his critic real marcus is like a, a dylan obsessive he's written many many books about him so yeah
0: like, fair enough you know
1: so he's going like what is this shit to self-portrait yeah but uh it's it's tough to follow up like when you've got, like, six masterpieces under your belt, there's all that scrutiny. It's like yeah. every time the Coen brothers release a new movie. If it's not, yeah. you know, best picture worthy, it's like, what is this shit? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Um,
1: and then after New Morning, which has... I like New Morning. New Morning is really good. Yeah. Uh, new Morning has some great songs um, and probably has the song that the fewest people cared about as a Dylan song that is now a very famous Song because of Big Lebowski, which is the oh. man in me.
0: Oh yeah, everyone
1: knows the man in me now because it's, it's at the beginning song. of uh, of Lebowski. I and I might
0: have actually watched Big Lebowski and then was like, "What album's this on?" And then that made me listen to New Morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, New Morning's very good. Uh, has if dogs run free, um, uh, what the Day of the Locusts, mm-hmm. bunch of good stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, and. Uh, Then he doesn't record for a little bit to the point where in 73 his label wants to release a new Dylan album and so they just cull together like 10 songs that he like recorded and didn't like and never meant to release. I think it's 10 maybe more and they uh, released an album called Dylan which is considered the worst Dylan album and it's not most completists don't consider it a real Bob Dylan album because he Mm -hmm. didn't. Ever mean to release it? Yeah. Um. And so it was just something that the label like dumped on the world. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of a dead period for Dylan. I think he's mostly like raising a family and whatnot. Yeah.
0: It (laughs) says like he got an honorary degree from Princeton University. Very nice. Uh. And then he, yeah, a big surprise appearance was when he did concert for Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. And then he wasn't doing too much. Uh. He, oh, he, in 72, he uh, provided some songs for the movie, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Oh, yeah.
1: Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid's a really good soundtrack. That's got Knocking on Heaven's Door on Which, it.
0: Yeah, became a huge hit. hit. Yeah. It's his, one of the most covered songs from Dylan. Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And I mean, that's mostly just like a, a soundtrack. So it's got some instrumentals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> My cats are going, like, they're.
1: Do they chew plastic a lot?
0: Nemo does. Nemo's chewing on a bag. I think he's doing it for attention. (laughs) Oh. Nemo.
1: Back to back, which he also appears in. I think this is also the time when he uh, made Ronaldo and Clara. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: Maybe that was later.
0: I think that's later.
1: Yeah, it's probably in '76 or something like that. Yeah, he was like writing books. Yeah, that's '75. That'd he's painting and all that stuff uh-huh um, music wise he returns and records another album with the band in 74 75 called planet waves yep
0: planet waves
1: um which is good it has forever young and hazel mm-hmm, and some mm-hmm. good stuff but then as you were talking about earlier his like 70s masterpiece is blood on the tracks i love blood on the track which is like a breakup album because him and his wife split up
0: that's right
1: and he recorded like two versions there's like the new york version Mm -hmm. which he recorded then brought to christmas in minnesota and played for people and some of them like weren't crazy about it and then he went and like re-recorded a bunch of the songs including like tangled up in blue and idiot wind and
0: idiot wind. Yeah, Yeah, that's all about his Shelter from the
1: Storm, maybe. Buckets of Rain. Um,
0: Buckets of Rain is a great song. No,
1: those are all great songs, but... And and the New York version is also very, very good, and there's a Mm -hmm. lot of people who think it is better than the one that was ultimately released. Um, It's tough to know. It's a great album. Yeah. Um, It was definitely like... You know, since he hadn't released an album that was like, had a huge single, or was like a big... Like, hailed as a masterpiece in... Like, seven years, which is forever in the music industry Right, at that yeah, time. yeah. Um, I think that was a big, like, return for him. And right. I don't know if it was, like, a number one album or anything like yeah, that. I don't know if even, Dylan ever had number even one Even looking sales. at
0: all these songs, there's not, like, one that, like, I would say is, like, the hit from, you know. I mean, I
1: probably Tangled Up in Blue. Yeah,
0: I think like, Tangled Up in Blue. But, I mean, if you ask, like, someone that's, like, not a huge Bob Dylan song, they're not going to say Tangled Up in Blue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) if you're not a Bob Dylan fan. like, But you'll say
0: like Blowing in the Wind, like Forever Young, uh, you know. I think like Dylan's one of those weird. Probably not.
1: Like he has so many great songs, but not a ton that were like on the radio that you're like, oh, I didn't know this was a Dylan song. Whereas if you've never been into like The Who or Led Zeppelin or like even Steely Dan or something. Yeah, yeah. And then someone plays for you a bunch of like, their albums they will be like, oh, I had no... Like, he had so many hits. I had no idea this was, like, a Led Zeppelin song. Yeah, yeah. As well, if you haven't previously been familiar. Yeah. Whereas Dylan, like, didn't have a ton of hit radio singles... Yeah. ...past that early part of his career, but was just mm-hmm. so well-known and regarded that his album sold, and he would always... Uh, sell out tours and ha- be so influential with other artists yeah. that his stature just grew, mm. even though, like, Planet Waves probably was not like, a <laughs> top 10 Billboard chart album yeah. or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting.
0: Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. trying to
1: think of who those other artists are where you'll hear a song and you're like, oh my God, I had no idea this was like that artist. They yeah. have like so many hits.
0: Well, I think what's, I don't know, this is my own experience with music, so I could be wrong, but I feel like I'm pretty dumb when it comes to, like, this man wrote this song, unless I go out of the my way to, like, learn about mm-hmm. it. Because I think so many times I'll be like, oh, I guess I'm a Duran Duran fan or something. You know, like, it's like, oh, I like this song I hear all the time, but I don't know who you wrote know, like, it. You're like
1: Hungry Like the Wolf was Yeah, Duran Duran. yeah.
0: <laughs> There was a band the other day that I was like, oh, I guess I have heard of that name and I just never put together this, like, hit song or this album. Yeah.
1: You can't remember what it was, though?
0: No. I mean, I'm just starting to kind of get to know the 80s a little bit more. Um, Duran Duran was a very, like, I know who Duran Duran is, but I'm not.
1: (laughs) I know. But,
0: like, yeah. I I, uh,
1: I worked at a water park in high school. And I would be often standing like outside at the candy cart would be mm-hmm. my thing. Yeah. And so we would stand right by these the speakers and they would play the same like three albums over and over yeah. again. Oh, Do, like Sergeant Pepper <laughs> and then uh uh like Pet Sounds. So uh-huh. it was good. That it was like great. play Sergeant Pepper and Pet Sounds. It's like if I'm gonna
0: be in hell, I'll take those then, albums.
1: And <laughs> uh, uh, Duran Duran's Rio. <laughs> Which the yeah. recognizable songs are Rio and Hungry Like the Walls. Yeah, Walsh, yeah. And ben, uh, but I I, I might still have that album memorized just because of all, the, all times the times yeah. I'd listen to it. Yeah,
0: the band was Tears for Fears. So I was like, oh, I mm. guess I like this band. Yeah, Tears for Fears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's But I always just thought, that's a stupid name. Yeah. And then never did more research.
1: Yeah, no, that. I feel like that's how I felt about it. That's probably still how I feel about Tears for Fears. I'm not a huge yeah. fan. I just know well, they're single. I
0: remember as a kid, I used to think 80s music was so corny and stupid and was like, why would anybody like this type of music? And then probably maybe about five years ago, I started to like kind of go through and understand the progression of 80s music yeah. and have a little bit more appreciation. Like, all right, synth is kind of cool, the 80s, but still dorky. Yeah.
1: More than most decades, the 80s is like rewards digging a little bit because yeah. we're definitely past the point where the best music is the mainstream music yeah but in the in the 80s if you like want to follow like everything Brian Eno and David Byrne are still doing yeah and like follow punk or like new yeah wave a little bit and then like Sonic Youth comes in yeah and like midway through the decade so there's yeah. a lot of like good stuff that you just don't think of when you think of 80s music because right. you think of like Spin me right round. (laughs) Yeah. Right round. Yeah. I
0: think synth and I think very flashy. Like, I think a lot of Mm -hmm. people, like, after David Bowie were like, we got to be these big, like, you know, fuck radio. We're all about music video, like, kind of coming into music videos and, like, being
1: more like. There's definitely an argument to make that everything great ruined that area's culture for a decade afterwards because so much bad art was inspired by David Bowie's great art (laughs) in the 70s. Yeah, fuck, man. And it's like so much, I don't know. You can probably point to like the progenitors of a lot of great musical movements and be like, well, this is what we got out of it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because, yeah, like I think punk is cool. And I like the story of how they were trying to rebel against, you know, mainstream music there's some really, really bad punk music of just like, I'm just going to scream at the top of my lungs and throw my guitar against the stage. This is music. Fuck you. And I'm like, yeah, okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's like a lot of really, (laughs) that's the funny thing, especially with punk because punk has become, and I I don't know a ton about modern punk music. Mm -hmm. I just know like early punk. And yeah. then, like, the pop punk that I grew up listening yeah, to in Orange yeah, County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, of course, is which of course I listened to before I had ever heard of, like, The Clash or X yeah, or yeah. Gang of Four or yeah, anything, yeah. which is expected. And no one's, no one's arguing that I should have known those guys before I was listening to, like, <laughs> MXPX and Unwritten Law yeah. and whatever other shit I was listening <laughs> to. But it's just, I don't know. That's how musical genres go. They're just so yeah. widely different. And so everything under the umbrella of punk is like
0: yeah well and i think the thing that's so interesting like the the battle with music is like this notion of like creating music that will that's good and that like touches the masses but in order to touch the masses you literally have to sell out and like so when we're listening to music as a kid it's like we're hearing it from the radio or our friends which is very much like the mainstream being like listen to this punk music and there's so much more going on in that community but somebody just went bam nirvana let's make them the famous ones you know
1: um when i one of the first albums i ever purchased myself was green days dookie in 1994 (laughs) and when that came out i mean which was also the result of a uh you know a record label executive being yeah like, these guys can become something we can put on the radio yeah i had no idea that that was the backstory i had right. no idea of what like the early 90s punk movement would have been or why any yeah why people who were a decade older than me were so mad or whatever yeah all yeah. i knew was like this speaks to me in a way other things have not before
0: yeah yeah as a kid you're just like what yeah. like i'm used to listening to like, being in my mom's car, right. listening to the oldies and Tracy Chapman.
1: Right. So in that what? way, like, there's no way I could ever not, th- there's no way I can be older than I was yeah. then and yeah. understand <laughs> what Dookie meant to me as a 12-year-old is totally yeah. different than what it may have signaled to, like, yeah. the the punk rockers yeah. in the, of the late 80s and early 90s yeah. who were like this is ruining everything, Mm -hmm. but that's what happens. Anything you do,
0: you know. Oh, everything we do is wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Because to take the time to really understand, like, why we're consuming something, like, through that filter. I think that's why, like,
1: (laughs) I think that's why back to the 60s, it was, like, so interesting because... It's not like – that. It, it hadn't been down to a science yet of yeah. like this is a sound that won't quite work on the radio but we can work with it and transform it into something that yeah. the kids are going to like really be into. Yeah. Like the record labels got lucky yeah. with like the Beatles just hitting the way they did. Yeah, um,
0: yeah there were record th- labels that passed on them. Yeah,
1: and yeah. even the labels then were like, okay, we got to strike while the iron's hot. Three, four new singles here and two albums and all this stuff. And maybe they wouldn't have been what they had been had they not done that. Right. But also it's like you guys don't know what they're going to become. You have no idea what you're what you've got right here. The thing with Dylan as well is like Dylan evolved at his own like at his own pace. And it never seemed like like people accused Dylan of selling out in 65 and 66 when he went electric. But there's no sense looking back that he was under any pressure from Mm -hmm. The powers that be, or that he was doing anything other than what he wanted to do. Is there. I think Selma is
0: uh, tackling uh, oh, okay. Silver.
1: I thought there might have been a, a, a hacking of oh, furball no, 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 going no. on. Uh,
0: listeners, Selma recently learned she can tackle Silver, and it's like her favorite thing. Silver hates it. <laughs> is that
1: a line through this podcast? Of like,
0: <laughs> I always tell them like what what the cats are up to.
1: One or two little things.
0: Yeah, about I'm waiting for cat. someone to tweet at me and be like, how many cats do you have at your house?
1: Uh, to listeners, 18. Yeah,
0: 18. <laughs> um, um yeah. yeah i mean and that's like i mean now it's like the fact that a lot of bands can put out their stuff without going through a record label it's like that can change like can let artists breathe a little bit more yeah. but then it also kind of creates like the youtube effect where everyone's like everyone's putting out stuff how do people find and it us, should all and, be free yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah
1: but like right like Chance the rapper probably has a level of freedom that most oh, artists yeah. haven't seen in decades. You yeah, know, like. yeah,
0: yeah. And I feel like movies is kind of like in like maybe stuck in the 80s where it's like very formulaic of like this will make us millions of dollars. Here yeah. comes the emoji movie. Oh, god, it's like, yeah. god damn it. <laughs> All right, so blood on the track 75. Yeah, that um, album's great. Hurricane.
1: Oh, yeah, so desire. About- yeah. Um, Desire is also a really good album. Um, what is it? 76? 77? 76. Yeah. Um, Desire has Hurricane, Ruben Hur- the song about Reuben Hurricane Carter, which I don't think he plays anymore because now there may be evidence that he did. I don't know anything about the Hurricane case.
0: Oh, but I think, interesting. I think
1: now there's doubts that, that he was he... as innocent. I, okay. I really don't know. So yeah. I might be speaking completely wrong, but he has not played this song. In a yeah. long time, but it was definitely his most like political song in forever. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had a song called Sarah about his ex-wife. Um, it has some weird songs like Joey and Mozambique. <laughs> and it's got uh, stuff. It's got a romance in Durango and ISIS, which um. I think the definitive versions of those songs are on the bootleg series number five, the Rolling Thunder Review, which is his tour um, where he was where it was not billed as a Bob Dylan show. It was billed as the Rolling Thunder Review. Mm-hmm. And it was him and a bunch of other musicians he'd worked with for years wearing face paint, probably on a ton of coke, like playing really <laughs> energized <laughs> versions of uh, Dylan's music. And... There are some the 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 versions of Desire songs at that tour. I think are are the best versions of those songs. And he also goes back and plays like very weird um, some reggae influenced versions of like It's a Hard Rain, yeah, and uh, Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll and stuff like that. Um, it's a very fun tour. There's lots of video of it if you want to see Dylan in like white face paint,
0: <laughs>
1: like either stoned or high out of line or something. Um and then we get one or two more albums until we go Christian.
0: Yeah. Uh, we have The Last Waltz. I don't know if you want right, to. Right, The on Last that. Waltz,
1: he played um it's not a Dylan album, it's the band's, it's the, not, bands, yeah. it's the farewell. band's farewell uh concert movie uh directed by Scorsese but Dylan's in it, Neil Young is in it. That's it's a great concert film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's really great. And then in 78, he releases uh, Street Legal, which is probably the most like flamboyantly produced Dylan album to that point. It's got Mm. like backing singers and horns, and it is uh, unfairly maligned a lot just because it comes so close to this 80s era. But Street Legal has uh some really uh, great songs including one of my uh uh favorites uh journey through dark heat the last track uh on the album which i think is like up there in my top 10 or 15 wow. uh uh dylan songs uh yeah i think street legal is one of those dylan albums that a lot of people haven't heard and then once you can get past some of the weird sounds on yeah, it it's yeah yeah like really really uh great and uh, then now we're
0: rolling into the now Christian we're rolling. period. Everybody, yeah.
1: yeah. In '79, he finds Jesus.
0: Hmm. Um. Evangelical.
1: Yeah. He uh, releases a bunch of albums in a row, um, one right after the other. Slow train coming. Mm-hmm. Saved. Shot of love. Let me know if I'm going out of order here.
0: Um. Slow train coming.
1: Yeah. Slow train coming has some very good, very silly songs uh slow train coming has man gave names to all the animals
0: <laughs> oh my god in
1: the beginning and oh then it has boy. a when he returns which uh-huh. is <laughs> which is a good one yeah <laughs> I mean it's got some numbers on there oh um boy. gotta serve some on there which is a pretty famous song yeah from this era. yeah um it, the, the chorus is it may be the devil or it may be the lord but you're gonna have to serve somebody right um saved is shit uh Although I think in recent interviews, Dylan has talked about some songs on that album like Being Forgotten. I, I should revisit it. I have not listened to Saved yeah, in a long time. Yeah, it's his second
0: Christian-themed album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then
1: Shot of Love, which I think might be his best album from this era. It's not perfect, But it's got uh, In the Summertime, which is a great song. It's got Property of Jesus, which is an insane but very, very entertaining song. Yeah. Um, It's got a song about Lenny Bruce. Um, Yeah, Shot of Love's good. Then what do we got? Infidels, Empire Mm -hmm. Burlesque. I mean, there's some real. (laughs) Yeah. There's some real. uh, Look, every, every, (laughs) every Dylan album, every 80s Dylan album has at least one or two real, real gems. Mm-hmm. So like Knocked Out Loaded from 1987 might be his worst studio album, but it still has Brownsville Girl, which uh-huh. is an amazing song.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And a Biograph, which was a compilation of non-album tracks, uh, cataloged some really good stuff in this era. So there, there's a lot of good stuff he was doing despite the fact that a lot of what he was doing was not great yeah um <laughs> uh down in the groove mm-hmm. as uh silvio uh you know uh, and and 88 is also dylan and the dead which is one of the worst live albums i've ever heard oh my gosh dylan and the dead is really uh something else if 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 you want to compare and contrast like brilliance <laughs> with i i, w- I don't want to say ineptitude but it's just it's just it is it is It sounds shitty. The the arrangements of the songs are terrible. It's just, it doesn't seem like they know what's going on. Yeah. And I've never been a huge fan of The Grateful Dead either, but of course they have... uh, some very good, uh, albums. jams,
0: <laughs> hours and hours of jam. I, I, well, I think
1: live dead in the early seventies is really good. Yeah. Uh, I, think. I feel like
0: that would have been a cool yeah, thing. Working man's
1: dead is really good. But once we get to 88, yeah, this is before grateful dead of touch of gray, which was like one of their late era hits. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it, Dylan and the dead is not very good. But then in 1989, you get a little diamond in the rough with Oh mercy. Mm-hmm. Oh mercy is a fantastic. album. Yes. Uh, it's, got some real like silly sentimental over the top tracks like when teardrops fall <laughs> and uh shooting star it's got most of the time which, which is, is a great well song. known it's in yes. the movie high fidelity where mm-hmm. everyone heard that one man in the long black coat <laughs> <which> is, um, <laughs> "Nutty not like ring them bells it's a very very good album i think he may have still been christian around this time but the like where Dylan's Christianity like came in and was very noticeable right away. It yeah. kind of fizzled out at the end. and was not as prominent going right. out as it was coming in. hmm. Um. But yeah, uh, uh, Oh Mercy is a really great album. Probably, I-, I think his best album of the 1980s, even though it's very close to the end of end that of, era. Yeah, yeah. Um. Then the next year he releases Under the Red Sky. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's not great.
0: He gets his Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award yeah, he in ninety one from Jack Nicholson. <laughs>
1: um and then and then he does a few albums of old folk music. Um, which uh they're both really good. Um, good As I've Been to You and World mm-hmm. Gone Wrong, I think are ninety two and ninety three respectively. Yep. Um they have so those have some great, um, covers of old traditional, uh, folk songs, uh, new renditions of them, um, of like Delia and Arthur McBride and Froggy Went A courtin', and like old folk music. Um, and they're very good albums, they are, uh, um, different than anything. It, it's like listening to a like out al- 60s album of like Dylan doing all these uh folk covers, but just of this new era where his yeah. voice is more gravelly. Yeah. It's a little more like a little more goofy and up tempo <laughs> than you would have expected from 30 years before. Yeah. When I mean, it's like this is a guy in his early 50s who's like, I'm gonna go back to yeah. uh some of the stuff I was listening to coming up that inspired me and they're great albums. And then uh, in uh, 97, you have Time Out of Mind, which wins the Grammy for Album of the Year. Yeah. It is the first, Time Out of Mind is the first album of like late era Dylan, which you you could argue we're still in depending on how you think of the like the Sinatra Old Standards albums we've gotten in the last few years. But like 97, you get uh, Time Out of Mind, which has some of his like darkest, most introspective lyrics uh to date it's got uh not dark here not dark yet standing in the doorway lovesick mm-hmm. cold irons bound um highlands it's great uh it's really a fantastic album the grammys they gave him they're like you know
0: here's all the grammys <laughs> yeah the grammys
1: they they have a tendency to like overlook people for years and then give them makeup awards so yeah. they picked I, I mean time out of mind they picked a good album to give him that award for right um but it's with kind of the acknowledgement that, like, oh, he had this tremendous body of work whose influence is kind of hard to overstate.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: He here's your album of the year, Oscar. Um, and then a couple of years later, he writes "Things Have Changed," which is a, a song that's on the Wonder Boys soundtrack, mm-hmm. and that wins the yeah. uh, Oscar for Best Original Song. Yeah. That he performed at the Oscars. It's a great song. Very good song. He still plays it live most of the time.
0: Yeah, I've, yeah, I've heard
1: um, it. Because I guess he knows it as a later day hit. Um, and then Love and Theft is 2001, and it's called Love and Theft, presumably because he steals so many of the lyrics from like old books and other songs yeah. and like, filters them together into this weird collection. Yeah. So there's like old traditional music on there and like High Water for Charlie Patton. There's, uh, I can't remember, there's this, like, old Japanese book of folklore, I think, that he picked a lot of lyrics yeah. from for that album. uh,
0: Janucci Saga's book, Confession of a Yakuza, Yakuza. Yakuza? Yakuza.
1: Uh, yeah, I haven't read it, but I've looked at some of the, uh, text in there that Dylan straight up, like, lifted and put on
0: again his album. 19-year-old little shithead. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, and that album is really brilliant. Uh, it It's...
0: Yeah, Love and Theft is great.
1: Love and Theft is great. Um, it has... It has the beginnings of the influence of some of those old standards coming into it because the melody and arrangement of Floater, Too Much to Ask, is very similar to um spirit on the water from modern times Mm -hmm. and thus the 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 way the band his band plays a lot of the music on like shadows in the night and fallen angels and triplicate Mm -hmm. like these um um song uh these uh albums of old standards that like frank sinatra performed that he's released three albums of now um and you can kind of hear that influence i think in a few tracks on love and theft um should I keep going?
0: Uh yeah. I mean, I mean I I'm feel just like talking you're about like, albums now. I was just saying, I was like, damn, Bob Dylan, you've you've done so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's done a lot. <laughs> oh man, and how in, many in, more do we
0: have? We have modern
1: times. Modern Times in 06. Yes. Um Together Through Life, which is like whatever from oh mm-hmm. nine. And then Tempest from twenty twelve, which um is mostly great. Um uh-huh. Tempest has some great original songs. It's got some songs which are essentially covers. It has a 14 minute song about the Titanic, which you can skip over. <laughs> but the wow. last track is Roll on John about uh, John Lennon and it's uh, a really beautiful ode to oh, a guy nice. who's been dead for almost 40 years yeah. And, yeah
0: well, yeah, going back to the his Christian period, John Lennon wrote a song right before he'd passed away. Uh, called Serve Yourself, which was direct to be like, shut the fuck up, Bob.
1: Yeah, man, those two. uh,
0: What a fun pair. What a fun (laughs) pair, yeah. Uh, uh,
1: Dylan, who uh, described himself in his uh, book, Chronicles Volume 1, of which we will probably never get a Volume 2, as nice but not overly polite, and John Lennon, who's (laughs) kind of just notable for being kind of a dick. Yeah. uh, uh yeah i mean they definitely had i i think early on lennon very much envied bob dylan and wanted to i think he secretly wished he could have been that kind of performer to go off on his own to write whatever kind of songs he wanted these like profound minute ballads yeah you see that
0: a lot when the beatles broke up and john lennon was doing his like you can yeah. watch him his concerts in like Madison Square Garden where he's just wailing and yeah. trying to be like get people to be like oh like my brain I'm thinking about things differently yeah like, rebel against the man and I I mean
1: I definitely think Lennon got to do things with the Beatles that I mean they had different brains completely yeah like, they're different I think lines, that's what made them but great I think I think a lot of that pressure of like. You gotta record the hits, man. Like And like <laughs> a lot a of puppy. that, like Paul pressure and stuff. Yeah. I think John was like, oh man, Dylan's got it made. Yeah. And then uh, I think Dylan either like half admired the music of the Beatles and half yeah. thought it was silly. I don't know exactly. Um, yeah. But the, but uh, Roll on John is like a really uh, a beautiful uh, little song. Mm hmm. Um, and tempest is the last album of original music he released yeah. in 2012 uh-huh. um since then we've got the three albums of old standards yeah um, of which there are like highlights and things that are worth listening to on there um because you know few people would consider dylan a classical crooner and yet he sings on these albums and, yeah uh i think does the best with them them that his voice can handle uh, and <laughs> sure. his band as usual is like very precise and on yeah. and fantastic um i just there's just been a lot of it so there's three yeah. albums and the last one is a triple album and so K- i'm not sure I, i'm not sure how much of that i need but yeah. you know he doesn't give a shit <laughs> he... no
0: i mean i think it's interesting like yeah of the dozens of albums he's released how like the first eight are like probably the most notable that most people yeah. have heard you know well yeah. yeah i mean
1: it's the period that defined him and yeah what he is for better or worse and it's the period that al- has allowed him to keep releasing yeah
0: like he music. can do it every once but i'm sure there's
1: Yeah, it's like how, like, like, uh, no one's going to stop Coppola from making a movie, but when you think of Coppola movies, you think of Godfathers and Apocalypse now, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No one's jumping right to Peggy Sue (laughs) Got (laughs) Married.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, he's still touring, he's still making stuff.
1: Yeah, the never-ending tour has been going uh, on for last, almost 30 years.
0: Last year he was in a commercial, mm-hmm. or was it a credit card? I mean, he's been bank? in,
1: like, a Lincoln commercial. He's been, <laughs> he was in a, Victor- like, Lovesick was in a Victoria's Secret commercial, which is weird, because when you're, like, thinking about buying a bra, do you want to hear, <laughs> like, i um, walking? Well, you know, like, is that what you want to hear? But I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like having followed his career since i have been a fan which is over 15 years and yeah. still returning so frequently to a lot of and like i i own all the bootleg albums and have downloaded a lot of like weird yeah one-off bootleg things there's um you know there's there's recordings that were never released that he did with johnny cash and like paul mccartney mm-hmm. Uh, and George Harrison and stuff. Yeah. Um. We did uh, the traveling Wilburys. I guess we could talk about. Yeah,
0: that was a sick band. <laughs> yeah, traveling I
1: Wilburys l- was uh, great, a great little, su- a little yeah. quick quick super group.
0: I love when super groups come together. It's yeah. very exciting.
1: It was uh, t- Dylan, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, yeah. George Harrison, and what's his face from ELO. I want to say
0: uh, oh, I Jeff. Love
1: it. Oh, God, this is going to... Yeah, you just got to look it up, or else someone yeah. listening will get mad at me. Why can't I think of his name?
0: Let's see, let's see. Um, oh, my gosh. Roy Arbertson, Jeff Lynne, Tom Jeff Petty, Lynn. Bob Dylan, George Harrison, yeah.
1: Jeff Lynne. Yeah. Um, yeah, they made an album as the Traveling Wilburys. The, their hits were not... Uh, Mo- like the Dylan Penn songs, but he has some on there. Yeah. Um Yeah, what are their what are the Traveling Wilburys hits? Handle with Care. Yeah. Um
0: I don't know. Like that's I think what's me so here. interesting. Is like looking at these songs, I'm like, I'm sure if I heard one, I'd be like, Oh, this is a great song, but they never really had like, Man, you gotta listen to Poor House.
1: Yeah, Handle with Care. Um, scroll down here.
0: On this on one on the left
1: one, yeah tweeter and the monkey man that's dylan's okay. and end of the line was their hit
0: end of the line nice yeah
1: you know but, whatever
0: yeah i just feel like it's like for like super nerds whether mm-hmm. it's like we got a super team super band
1: if you're a super nerd i mean dylan sang on we are the world which yeah. is a little crazy yeah 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 um
0: he pops around for sure
1: oh in the 80s he was just like i am who i am i don't yeah I don't give a shit anymore yeah i mean he's always kind of been like that but uh eighties were a weird time,
0: yeah, I mean, it's weird to think like we were born in the eighties when yeah. he was going through his Christian period, yeah, and but
1: I had no sense of that, no, at the time. we didn't,
0: but like yeah, we jumped in being like touched by like sixties music, yeah. and then you go through his career and you're like, whoa, what a what a life, what a body of work,
1: huge body of work, oh man, in two thousand three, I think he um was in a movie called Masked and Anonymous, okay, which is. I don't know if you've seen it. No. It is extremely bizarre. It's a nearly plotless, uh, uh, film about a like former rock legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't not named Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what his name is, but like this, it's it's a series of like bizarre non comedic sketches. Yeah, with like John Goodman and Val Kilmer. It was directed by Larry Charles, who uh, uh-huh. directed Borat and a bunch of Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> episodes. Uh. And was like a co-creator of a bunch of <laughs> yeah, uh, sitcoms and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, and it's very b- bizarre. I mean, I saw it in theaters. Uh, and this, <laughs> the soundtrack has some. Uh, uh, the soundtrack has some versions of Dylan and his band playing like Dixieland and um, Diamond uh, Diamond Joe, and a new version of Cold Irons Bound, which are really good. But the soundtrack also has a series of covers um some insane covers like a jerry mm. garcia cover of senor um the, the it's i'd say the soundtrack is worth giving a listen to and the movie's worth checking out for <laughs> dylan fans fair enough fair enough uh interesting let's see yeah i mean don't look back is a great documentary from the, uh the 60s if you've never yeah. seen that uh, D.A. Pennybaker's uh, documentary of uh, Dylan's 65 tour in London, which has, like, some of those famous interviews you were talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where he's...
0: People are crying. Yeah, the guy, <laughs> the guy
1: from Time Magazine, like, interviewing him, like, what's your message and all this stuff, yeah. and Dylan chews him out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: that's some really great stuff. hmm What else do we have to talk about?
0: I think we're about wrapping up. Yeah? But I know um, some big... Bob Dylan movies came out like within the past decade. That, I'm not
1: there. I'm not
0: there, which I think is really great. Yeah. I also think it should just stop after Kate Blanchett. Oh, like,
1: the Kate when Blanchett when she looks at the
0: camera just this roll credits <laughs>
1: yeah there's some biz- i mean it's also Her yeah it's so bizarre yeah uh, like all
0: the different people all playing the different Bob like
1: dylan. characters playing dylan characters like the yeah. richard gear segment is very confusing yeah yeah the christian bale like <laughs> uh preacher stuff is very interesting yeah, yeah. and it's got um the i'm not their soundtrack has some great stuff mm-hmm, on it mm-hmm. um Stephen malcolm's version of ballad of a thin man yeah it's really great uh cat power does stuck inside a mobile yeah it's so um, good um, yeah there's a lot of really good music on that and the movie is very good but i don't think it has a lot of re-watchability yeah for, for fans of dylan or non I, yeah. I mean i look for non-dylan fans i don't think it has much Any, watchability yeah, yeah um but i love it
0: yeah i mean I, I feel like i watch it maybe once every two or three years really like, yeah.
1: i have the dvd i've watched it a couple times yeah
0: but i would say like i'm gonna rush home and watch it it's just yeah. like oh i want to watch Kate blanchett murder it
1: oh she's yeah. amazing
0: uh, but then Scott documentary I think is really good yeah
1: no direction home it's like was it t- it's like it's like four hours but it was a two-part documentary on PBS yeah. I think mm-hmm. um yeah that's fantastic that's maybe the most definitive look at like the early part of Dylan's career yeah. from like his upbringing to 66. it mm-hmm. kind of like cuts off right after uh, the electric period yeah um but it is it's got so much great footage that had never been seen before yeah uh, it's a lot of fun it's,
0: harmonica solos are yeah. so good oh, i love it great yeah any anything
1: else you want to add um i don't know what did i uh,
0: did just i just want to tell everybody to do? go listen to bob dylan just really listen man. listen read the lyrics like whoa poetry to music what's happening uh, god yeah
1: i hate that <laughs> uh I, I don't know i'm trying to think i just like talked about why i like this guy a lot.
0: yeah yeah but i mean you know and we went through like how he's changed and everything i mean who knows what's gonna happen uh
1: i was really affected i i was uh, you know like in recent years david bowie and leonard cohen have mm-hmm. both died and those were both very sad for me i don't like when Dylan dies, I'm going to have to take a day off of work, I think. Like, yeah. That's going to be a really, really bad one for me. Interesting. Even though, like, typically, I'm I, like. Yeah. Even though I'm like, oh, I love David Bowie. Oh, man, I'm going to just listen to his music yeah. all day today. But, like, me personally am fine because I didn't know him personally. Right. But, like, I don't know. Maybe I will be affected by yeah. Dylan's death the way <laughs> I would be by, like, yeah. A- I don't know, it's just been so important to me, I I mean, more than
0: Yeah, Bowie really affected me, but I felt like I was really blindsided by that, because he didn't tell anybody that he was dying. Dylan, I think he hasn't made the healthiest decisions in his life, that I'm like, dude, you got good genes that you're still around. Yeah,
1: I feel like if, I feel like that's why he continually tours, so he's just got stuff to do always. Yeah, yeah. I feel like as soon as the never-ending tour ends, he'll be like, that's it. Damn. But I don't know, I mean, he's 76, so, he's I mean, old, that's but old, he,
0: but still could keep he going. He could release
1: another 10 albums in the next decade. <laughs> yeah, we have no idea. All
0: right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Jonathan. Thanks
1: for having me, Cassie.
0: Away from my window. And that's our episode. Thank you, Jonathan, for coming on. Told you, Bob Dylan, he's done so much. And if you got some extra time in your day, I recommend going and checking out and reading about Reuben Hurricane Carter, the boxer who was accused of murder that Bob Dylan ended up writing the song Hurricane about. Also, in 1978, uh, Carter appeared in one of Dylan's movies, Ronaldo and Clara. That's right, Bob Dylan made movies. We didn't get into that because he's made so much music. Also, there's a really good 1999 feature film called The Hurricane, starring Denzel Washington, which also shows the life and trials and accusations that happened to Reuben Carter. So I recommend reading that and checking it out for yourself. And, you know, see what you think about Bob Dylan playing the song and not playing the song. And it's, again, reflective of what's happening in our day and age today. So check that out. And remember, you can check out Jonathan Harris at UCB Herald Knights on the Team DiCaprio, and you can follow him on Twitter at Country Caravan. You could also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Cassie Jerkins, as well as all our dumb nerds social media stuff. And if you can rate and review this podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. It helps us get more visible out there in the world. Anytime we get downloads from places other than L.A., it makes me so happy and so nerdy. And remember, if you're shopping on Amazon, go to BoardWalkAudio.com slash Dumb Nerds, click on that Support Our Artist button, and it takes you straight to Amazon like you normally would. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Someone to close his eyes for you Someone to close his heart Someone who will die for you
1: and more But it ain't me, babe No, 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 it ain't me, babe It ain't me you're looking for, babe